Hi, you're listening to Designing Yourself. This is Paul McAleer. And this is Whitney Hess. Here is the thing. Uh, We were chatting a little before we hit the record button, and we actually don't know how to describe our topic this week. Um, So I'm sure it will come to us. I'm sure it will. I know it will. We will come up with something. There'll be something, right? Yes, but it feels Um, so vulnerable not knowing. Yeah, because for reference with every every other episode uh, before we've started recording, we had the topic in mind, and we generally boil it down to one word as well. This one, not so much. So let's describe what we want to tackle this week. So uh, when we were chatting, you were telling me a story about um, just kind of your work and kind of how it leaves you feel at the end of the day. So why don't you reiterate that and tell me a little more about that? Well, what I was trying to get at is that my work has changed so dramatically over the last few months, shifting away from consulting to coaching. And what is required of me is very different. Before, a lot of focus was on the deliverables, the product, Of course, my work involves working with other people, but it's not really about those other people. It's about the thing we're designing together. And it was actually because of that that I wanted to switch my focus into coaching because I know that it really is all about the people. And I personally don't think it has much to do with the thing that we're designing together. I feel like that's just a device for all of us to interact together and make the world a better place. But it's really the mm-hmm. interactions with one another and the development of ourselves that catalyzes that. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Because of the fact that my work is now primarily one-on-one, working with individuals who are at a crossroads in their career, in other areas of their life, and trying to make a shift and they've come to me for guidance and support through that transition, the content of my conversations with people has changed dramatically. It's not about the design or the flow or the product or the technology to any great extent anymore. It's about the individual and what they're experiencing. And being an empathetic person and being in a position to truly listen to what this person is going through and to get to be the person that is there for them wholly, it requires like my whole being in a Mm -hmm. new way. And so even though it is so much more fulfilling for me than what led up to this. And I'm so glad that this is the direction I'm moving in. It's very new for me to feel this drained at the end of each day. You could probably hear it in my voice. I am tired and not tired out of not loving the work and not tired out of having too much work, but I have been so deeply invested in each person that I've met with today and given them everything I have to give that now I'm like half here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's so <laughs> so the the the, 
<laughs> the good half is here. Oh, um, thank you. So, hey, thanks. Um, so when we're, yeah, when, I mean, when you're saying that, the thing that I uh, hear from that is the idea of it being emotionally draining. And I think... I, I, this is not the topic because it's two words, but mm-hmm. there's this, you know, the, the thing that really I'm hearing is that it's the work is more rewarding and you are more invested in it. You are putting more of yourself into this work. So when your day is done, you're empty in a sense, right? Like you're, you know, you're still you, uh, but you're, you, it sounds like, you know, taking on additional projects, um, you know, writing a bunch of stuff, what have you, that's something that's going to, you know, that would take a lot of, a lot more effort than it ordinarily would just because all of this is kind of drained, drained you. I think that it's a muscle that is weak in me because I haven't been strengthening it, exercising it over the course of my whole career. My product muscle, my you know, uh, user experience muscle, my design teamwork collaboration muscle, that's very strong. I've been exercising that even when I'm pulling a 60 hour week, even at the point in my career when I was doing decks of wireframes and I was pulling all nighters to get them done, I was tired. I mean, I was, and at the time I felt that I was putting everything that I had into it but it was still like several steps removed from a human being and their life experiences. I was always drawn to the human side of it, which is why I'm in user experience because I cared so much about what the user was experiencing and I wanted to internalize that so that they were a part of me and a part of our process so that we would design things that would move them. That was why I got into this field in the first place. But it is still different to conduct a user interview and, you know, create some personas and then have those personas up on a wall and you think about them periodically through the process than it is to have a one-on-one conversation with someone who is going through something right now and needs support getting through it. It is like... It's amazing. I love it. And I know I'm going to get better at it. It's just the beginning for me, but it's like, whoa, at the end of the day, I'm tired in a very different way than I've ever been before. So one of the things that, um, that came up for me was, um, I summit, uh, once again, um, when we were there this year, uh, we were chatting about you know, how it is interacting with a bunch of people. And I, I start by saying that, not to say that my experience uh, is, is the same as yours, of course. But what I find is that when I'm, you know, when I go to conferences and when I talk, um, you know, getting on stage and doing all that takes a certain amount of energy and, and I guess that's but two, but, that feels pretty natural to me in a way. For me, some of the harder stuff is lots of social interaction before and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy it because I do, but I find that to be uh, something that 
calls on that muscle (laughs) to borrow your excellent terminology. And for me, that muscle is just not as strong as my like going up and speaking in in front of a crowd muscle, which is still relatively small, but is being worked on. And and it's just not as strong. So I need downtime when, you know, I, I might need a couple minutes to just kind of be by myself or be isolated with my phone and distract myself from the current situation or take a walk around the block or or what have you. But I, you know, it's funny because I didn't really feel like I, I could easily articulate why that was. I just felt like I needed it. Like it was instinctual mm. in a way. It was like, I really need to get away from all these awesome people for a few minutes because I, I you know, it's like a crowd full of people that I um, either I know or and or respect and or think are great, you know, all this stuff rolled into one or I don't know yet. Um, and there's the whole, wow, I need, you know, I need just a few minutes. And that is coupled, frankly, with some of the uh, anxiety over just meeting new people, which is a, a separate but notable thing here, too. But I just, you know, I needed that downtime. And like when it was at South by Southwest this year, too, similar thing, right? South by Southwest, giant, loud, uh, tons of people, all of downtown Austin. And for me, just being able to have quiet moments on my own was very valuable to me. Um, so for me, that was where it was just, you know, obviously not the same as coaching, but just that intensity of a very social interaction and social situation and needing to be able to pull back a little bit kind of recharge and then get back in. Yeah. Well, at the IA Summit in particular, because South by is a totally different kind of energy, but yeah. to, to what extent was the intensity about all the content that you had to take in, all the UX talk, <laughs> or was it more interpersonal. I mean, and from what you're saying, it sounded like the latter. Yeah, because the content, you know, the content is engaging different parts of me, right? So I'm getting, my brain's getting a lot out of it for one. And then there are the talks that are highly emotional and or entertaining and all this good stuff. And um, I, I you know, I think honestly, it was just kind of all the stuff that was happening at that same time, it was kind of all of it. And it wasn't quite a sensory overload situation for me, but it was a lot to take in. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not certain if it was any one thing. I really do think it was kind of a little combination of both. And thanks for asking that too, because I kind of, it's funny because I, of course, think about the social interactions first, but of course the talks there were phenomenal too. And that's the reason I went. So, <laughs> you know, there's that, oh, there's that aspect too. There's an amazing conference here no, too. No, but I think that's, you're touching on something that's kind of inherent to IA Summit and what makes it so special is that if even if you removed all the people, which of course there would be no talks, but if you took the social aspect out of it, the content is still incredible. Yeah. And then yeah, totally. you layer on top of it this sort of family reunion kind of mm-hmm. atmosphere where the conversation extends far beyond user experience and information architecture. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that that's where both years that I've attended, I've had just incredibly deep and meaningful and amazing conversations. And that stuff is... It's it's nourishing, um, but it also does does call on those muscles, as as you put it. 
It really does. And so, you know, when it comes to kind of the one-on-one situation, though, um, I'm really curious what that's like for you. I mean, obviously, you're not going to, you know, go into any client details or anything like that. But but what do you do to kind of kind of kind of get prepared for that type of high level of you know tight contact and really intense talk and then and then how do you kind of how do you kind of move on from that it is i am learning you know it's a work in progress sure. so multiple times I was told this is not something you can just do back to back to back. You know, if I'm just doing straight up UX projects, I could have meetings back to back all day. It's not something Mm -hmm. I enjoy. I try very hard to manage my schedule so that that doesn't happen, but it's quite common. It's like, oh, okay, let's switch gears. Now what project are we talking about? Okay, now what project are we talking about? I'm exhausted at the end of the day but it's possible. You know, I can get on a phone call one minute after I get off of a previous one and I can have a productive conversation. When you're having these intense one-on-one conversations in a coaching relationship, it is not possible to get off of one call and get on another. It's just not possible. Because you aren't talking about boxes on a web page. You're talking about the person's life. <laughs> and they deserve your full attention. So if you're still processing what you just heard and you're bringing that into a conversation with the next person, it's just wrong on such a deeper level than it is when you're talking about a product. Now, ideally, people who design products are as present and as deeply involved in what they're doing. So I'm not in any way suggesting that less effort is involved, but there's something several degrees removed when you're all looking at a common object being the work you're doing together versus when you're looking at each other being the work that you're doing together. Well, that makes sense. It's just shifting quite a bit. So there's only so many coaching sessions I can have in a day. And I have to schedule breaks after each one. Sometimes they go a little long. And sometimes I just need to come down and process what I just heard and synthesize it and jot down some thoughts about where we're going to go next or a resource that I've thought of for the person or questions that I want to ask in the next session or whatever I'm, you know, thinking about or grappling with. I need that reflection time in between those sessions. I can't just go, 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 because then by the end of the day, they'll have all bled together. And it's, that's the exact opposite intention, you know, for the whole, for the whole relationship. And then there are practices that I need to be engaging in that allow me to be fully present in the moment with my client. That means my yoga and my meditation. That means eating well. That means sleeping well. That means removing other distractions from my environment. So a lot of times I'll close my computer 
when I'm on calls, unless of course it's a Google Hangout. But if it's something like a Google Hangout or Skype call, then I have to remove other distractions from the computer because when I am with that person, I'm with that person. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a car passing by out my window or a bird flying by or a to-do item that I have on my desk, I really can't even let myself go there. You know, I can't look at the bird or I can't try to hear the conversation downstairs or I can't start thinking about the thing on my desk because then my mind's going to drift somewhere else and I need to be 100% there with my client. And it just, it's so fulfilling because I feel like I'm seeing this person so clearly. I feel like they're seeing me. It's an incredible bond that we form. And yet it requires a lot of exercise to continue with this muscle, muscle analogy. And so one word that you keep using that I think is dead on is intensity. It's so intense. And in order to withstand that intensity and in order to be there in the moment with them for the full hour, hour and a half, depending of our session, I have to be able to withstand, you know, the intensity kind of in practice so that when I'm in with the moment with them, I'm ready and able to do it. Does that make sense? Yes. So one of the things that I'm really hearing is this whole idea of, you know, the self-care that we've talked about and how really that is important and how that really contributes to you being able to kind of give give 100% of yourself. And I was not going to say 110%. That is not possible. Agreed. But give, <laughs> but basically be present and be there with that other person and for that other person. And if you, you know, it, it kind of leads back to the idea of how important self-care is again, because without that, then you might not be able to be as aware of what's going on. And that may be, that may cause the situation to just be a little more difficult. You might not be able to pay as close attention, what have right. you. Right, I won't be able to really serve them. Or serve myself. And I'm hearing you say something very similar with the IA Summit that you just knew, whatever that mechanism was, that you needed a break and you gave yourself that break. And I'm curious to know, did that help you have better one-on-one, more fulfilling interactions with people throughout the conference because you took care of yourself in that way? I think it did because on the one hand, you know, when I had those moments of needing rest, I was a, I was able to do so, right? And I was able to come back and just honestly just feel kind of fresh and, and a little more relaxed because part of it for me is just that situation just ramps me up a lot. Like it's exciting and it's it's exciting and it makes me anxious and it makes me nervous and it makes me excited again, like all those things just kind of there. And those for me are all very intense emotions. So being able to have moments without those being as, as prevalent is important to me. And then I was able to go back and have some really good intense conversations with people like, um, 
and it wasn't like it was without effort, but it was just, it, it felt like it was a little easier overall. Um, and to me that, I mean, that, that's, that's what's important is, is being able to be in a place where you can have those conversations. Even if, you know, it, it, for me, if, if that technique of, you know, getting out of, getting out of there for a few minutes was something different, um, you know, if I needed to uh, find a place to meditate, for instance, or, or what have you, just being able to identify what it is that you need in order to continue <laughs> in that intense situation is pretty important. And sometimes, you know, I think one thing worth knowing too is that sometimes, as you'd mentioned, you know, if a, a session goes long or what have you, you might not be able to do it when you need it most. So then it's, then it's very, <laughs> it's careful negotiation and patience with yourself to say that, hey, I, if I can't do this now, I will do this later. And making sure you do do that later too. Absolutely. And I'm hearing that a lot of things happened for you in that break you gave yourself, that it was time to reflect, that it was time to just empty your mind, that it was time to have some kind of release from the very intense situation of a conference. And then it was allowed you to kind of, um, I don't know what the turn of phrase is, but like, uh, get your energy back or, you know, fill your reservoir again mm-hmm. so that you were then able to bring your full self back to the next situation you were in, whatever that was. But if we don't take that time to take care of ourselves, then we're at max and then there's nothing more that we can take. Mm-hmm. It, That's exactly right. It actually reminds me of, I've, I don't know if I've ever told you this one before, but I know in the past I've told you that as a part of my program with New Ventures West, we had these slogan cards, these slogans yeah. written on index cards. Well, yeah. I don't know if I ever shared this one with you, but I think it's fitting. Empty so you can fill. <laughs> nice. And we came, like we came up with that because every time we had a break in class, our instructor would always say, okay, it's an empty and fill break, empty and fill break, mm. meaning, as you can imagine, go to the bathroom, have a drink, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> empty and fill, empty and fill. And so then when we were creating these uh, slogan cards, someone says, empty so you can fill. Because you cannot mm. fill if you're already full. And I think that you mm-hmm. sensed that about yourself um, and you were able to decompress mm-hmm. and it sounds like that really paid off. It did. It did. I needed to do that. And I, I, I think that's a really important point is that if you, so I, I consider myself an introvert, by the way, and I think we've talked about that before. Um, and, you know, there was a, there was a company function I was at at a previous company and we did the Myers-Briggs stuff, right? And everybody came in the same room and we did the Myers-Briggs and I totally forget what mine was now. But um, I remember I was definitely an introvert and the reaction for, from people around me was like, Paul's an introvert? Like they were totally stunned because... <laughs> They never saw me as an introvert. They saw me only as an extrovert, and that is all. They saw me as this really, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 
the parts of me that aspire to be out there, you know, the very outgoing and friendly and funny as hell kind of guy is very, very nice and kind and all those good things. You and, are all um, of those things. Well, thank you. Um, but they, they also share that with extroversion, right? So they were stunned. But my point of mentioning that is that I, I am an introvert. Still, I still align with that, even though Myers-Briggs is doubtful and all that good stuff, et cetera. I still, I still feel like I am an introvert because in part I need, I need those times to be empty for a moment before I can refill. And, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, that introversion and what that is, is that for me, then I, I take, I wouldn't say necessarily a pleasure but I like those moments where I'm by myself too. Like those are really, those are energizing for me in a very different way because it is, as you say, kind of refilling me up versus those moments when I'm with a bunch of other people or, or heck, even with one person doing one-on-one stuff in any capacity. It's, it's a very exciting thing in a different way. It's engaging various different parts of me in those moments. Isn't it funny how in the beginning of this, you were saying that it sounded like I was emotionally drained. It's that draining, right? It's the being empty. And yet I'm kind of flipping it a little bit. And I think we're saying the same thing. It's just two different metaphors that sometimes you're so full, you have to empty into so that you can fill up again. And so there is something that we're talking about here about recharging Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, getting to 100% again or allowing yourself to be at 0% for a while before you get back to 100. I think that there is a cycle to that. Yeah, there is. And I guess part of it is also how do you, you know, the, the first part is identifying that cycle, kind of getting that sense of, okay, I need this. Like for me, it's, you know, it's pretty obvious that I needed time. And, and you've been able to get to a point where you kind of plan it out and schedule it to correspond with, with your coaching sessions because you know you're going to need that time. Um, so how do, you, how do you build that up? How do you, you know, not necessarily make the cycle longer, but maybe, um, but, but how do you strengthen that muscle? Like what are you finding is working well for you? Well, like all the things we've discussed, it comes down to awareness. So it's mm. paying attention to what's going on. For instance, uh, at the end of my day today, before you and I got on our call, I just Mm -hmm. noticed a sluggishness in my body. I noticed that I was starting to get the little, was faintest headache. Um, It's not a real headache, but there's like that little intense kind of throb going on. That's just the beginning of one. And it's actually going away since we've had this conversation. So that's good. Oh, hey, that's that's good. (laughs) Um, I'm very warm because it's end of July in San Diego, which is really the only time of year that it's warm, too warm at all, and we don't have AC. So it's Mm -hmm. hot in my office, and I've been in here most of the day, and so I'm noticing that my skin is getting kind of sticky, and it's a little uncomfortable. I'm noticing that my voice is lower. I'm noticing that um, you know, my energy is lower just because I'm paying attention to those things. And so those things are cues for me that I'm coming to a point of needing rest. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the second step is once you're noticing what's going on with your body, 
is to identify what led to that. And so I can look back at my day and see that I had some really deeply meaningful conversations. I did take the lunch break that I had planned for myself, but this morning I didn't go to yoga the way I had planned because Frederick had the morning off and I wanted to spend that time with him and that was really important to me and I'm glad that I did it. But because I didn't have my practice in the morning, I'm now at the end in the evening noticing that I'm more drained than normal. So then it's that reinforcement of the yoga helps. When I do it in the morning, I feel different at night. So I have to pay attention. I have to constantly be observing myself and exploring why I feel a certain way, why my body's a certain way, and then reflect back on what led to this and be more conscious of it. That doesn't mean in any way that I would have not chosen to stay home with Frederick this morning and it would have instead gone to yoga. I don't think I ever would have made a different decision. But at least now I know, you know what? The yoga really does have an impact. So when I choose to skip it, I should be prepared for the intensity of the day. I should be prepared for how that's going to impact me physically and emotionally in a different way than when I have done the yoga in the morning. Totally. And on the you know physical activity front, I can relate with running in that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm slipping into obligatory. If you run, you have to talk about all the time. You so have hit me. a big milestone. Tell everyone. Oh, I, t- I, I did. Um, I, so I ran the most miles I've ever run in one month. Um, and I did that all outdoors, which was all new for me because I've, I've run so much indoors on a treadmill and I only switched to running outdoors last year. And, you know, the first time I did, it was really damn hard and it hurt. Um, and I did in Denver, which was not the best idea cause it's, it's high up mm-hmm. there. But, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I did that and I, I ran, uh, just shy of a 5k outside, which was, which was, you know, I, I stopped at three miles and. So doing the full five because I was just damn tired at the end of it. <laughs> but but, um, but I mentioned that not you know not to to go after the the great applause, but I appreciate you bringing it up because uh, I am proud of it's that. It's thrilling, um, and as somebody that can hardly run across the street, I find it very impressive. Well, thank you, and I I I have also definitely had many times in my life where I could not run across the street or <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so this is very, this is very different for me. Um, but I mentioned it, uh, obligatory runner reference, but then also because, um, I know how that makes me feel now when I run in the mornings because I get up early and run early when I, when I do run. Um, and I know like then that means from like, Eight o'clock till about ten o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be on fire. Like I'm just going to be so full of energy, and you know that's the best time for me then to sit at a desk at work and do work. Um, but I just have then I have so much energy, and I'm just feeling like yeah, I can tackle everything. And I know that in the evening, like at nighttime, I am going to be tired at eight o'clock at night. I'm just going to be tired 
really physically tired and not emotionally tired in that case. Now, if I also, on top of that, have a day where I am uh, emotionally drained or you know work with any kind of intensity um, with people, then that then I know based on that that if I do both those things, if I do some sort of physical activity early in the morning and then also work with people, um, the risk is that I may be really, really tired at the end of the day and might just have to go to bed early or just have a night where I'm just, you know, zoning out to Star Trek reruns or whatever and just not, or, you know, browsing the web or whatever, but just doing something that's very low-key, doesn't require much investment. I can sleep through it. I can walk away from it whatever I need, but a very calm thing. And I'm, you know, it's funny because I'm, as I'm talking, my left hand is kind of rotating. I have it kind of flat rotating in a circle. I'm like noticing it's just like, I'm, I'm making a calming motion with my mm. hand. Um, so I'm noticing that too, but, but that's, that's the point. So that's the point I can get to if I do both of those things. And then there are definitely times when I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel like running today. And I won't, you know, it might, you know, I really look at why that is. And sometimes I'm just too, I'm tired in the morning uh, or I didn't get enough sleep or I just want to be lazy, frankly. And and uh, I've gotten to a place where I'm okay with that because that's that may be something that I need to recharge in that moment for reasons that, you know, I have to explore, just as you were mentioning, just kind of tracing it back and understanding, you know, why am I, why am I feeling this now? And, and being aware of where your body is now and where, where your, where your parts are now and getting a sense of that. That's pretty important stuff. Um, so that means, you know, there, there are trade-offs in all this stuff, really. You're showing um, so well, this connection between the mind, the heart and the body. I mean, it's impossible really for us to keep ourselves going mentally and emotionally when we're not giving our body what it needs. And for me, yoga is something that's nourishing physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And it just gives me a sense of calm and of satisfaction and connectedness, groundedness. I mean, it gives me so much that I have to do it. I I couldn't do it without using my body. Mm-hmm. That I I couldn't just conjure it in thinking about it. In meditation alone, the movement of my body connected to the meditation is essential for me. And I'm hearing the same for you with the running that it's a moving meditation and that it's through that movement that you're able to give yourself what you need in so many other ways as well. And I I wonder for the people listening, if they too find that it's a physical activity of sorts, whether it's slow and methodical and, you know, low impact as yoga is, or whether it's like really quite intense as running is or something else altogether. um, I'm curious to know, if in fact it's something physical that gives people that rest and that recharge um, to enable them to to handle what the day requires, maybe other than sleep or an addition of sleep, because I think I, I feel that's kind of a given. Yes, you know? and how many people just avoid that altogether? Oh, so many. 
So many. There was a really good series of episodes of um, Back to Work about sleep. Um, and those are, those are great, great podcasts to listen to. Um, but you know, some of what it boils down to is just this whole, uh, you know, to talk about sleep for just a moment is the whole idea of, you know, well, I can stay up late and I'm an adult and I can do what I want. But, you know, if you're, if you're tired at 10 o'clock, you're tired at 10 o'clock or if you're tired at 11 or 12 or what have you, but it's pretty important. And I know that back when we talked with, um, uh, Leslie Jensen Inman uh, about her work. You know, we talked about a little about sleep, and her schedule was very, uh, very much an early bird schedule, kind of like mine. Um, and she gets a lot of sleep. Um, that's that's a pretty important facet of all this stuff too. Is and that's self care. It's not. You know, it's it's funny because sleep almost ends up being this other thing for a lot of people, but it, I, I see it in that umbrella as well. I totally agree. Absolutely. So one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, one more thing about this whole intensity thing. Um, as we were talking earlier, I made the note about parenting. Um, parenting is both physically and emotionally intense. And it's funny because it just changes over time, the level of intensity, but it's almost always intense in some way, right? Because there are days where it is, uh, where it's easier and some days where it's harder. And uh, there's, it's hard to describe how much is going on at any one time um, and how much you feel and how much you experience physically uh, and, and just the amount of effort and work that goes into it. It is tremendous. And I, and, and in my family, I am not uh, the parents staying at home. And right now we're in a position where my wife is the stay at home parent. Um, and I am just, uh, I mean, I am so in awe of the fact that she has been able to do it um, because it is, it is a full-time job for anybody. Uh, and the thing that happens with that, of course, is that I mean, if you think about it, if you, you know, if you have daycare or anything like that, then, you know, basically that one, that the kid is, the kid is out of the house in some capacity, right? But if not, then you've got one-on-one time with a person all day. And that person needs care all day because it's a kid. (laughs) I mean, she or he, you know, is going to need help with things left and right. And also there's the entire, you know, raising the child thing right on top of all that. And, and so that is a very special intensity. That is a very different one, but it, that is something where if you're with, if you're with a kid all day, um, it's draining. And at the end, you know, it's very much a let's, let's relax and just chill and it's not a really good time to talk about, you know, uh, finances or anything like that. It's like, okay, now let's balance the budget. No, no, this isn't a good time to do it at, you know, eight o'clock at night or whenever bedtime is. Because if you spend, and I think this is kind of true in general, like if you spend a whole day with somebody, well, that could be a very intense thing in general. It's just added on then if it's a child because that person needs care. Or I suppose that would be true if, you know, if you're taking care of, of an adult uh, or, or grown child in some way as well. Like that would just be, that's another one of those things where it's a situation that is driven by love, right? Because 
goodness knows, like if, if, if it wasn't there, then, then wow, that's a lot of intense work and being passionate about it and, and putting yourself into it. Um, you know, it, it, if the love is not there, then it's really hard to keep that going. But if it is there, if you, if you have the love, you have the passion, even when it's really freaking hard, it still ends up somehow being worth it because it is worth it. I don't even know how anyone does it. I, I'm in such awe of parents. I'm in awe of your wife and stay-at-home parents who spent their whole day interacting with their child, making meaningful experiences for them and working on their child's development and nurturing them and caring for them. And I'm equally in awe of parents who work a full day in an office or on their own work and then in the evenings give even more of themselves to their child. I do not know how anyone does it. It is amazing to me. And yet we manage to get older each year and grow up minute by minute. And for the most part, we turn out okay. And it's yeah. all because of this devotion of the people who raise us. It is incredible to me. And parents don't get any time off. And nope. that discharge that we were talking about, the recharge, reflection, and just time to empty, I don't think parents really get it at all, do they? No, no. And, you know, when, when, when you have a, a newborn in your home, I mean, that's like, that's 24 hour around the clock stuff. Right. Um, and you know, for, for when you finally get to refill, that tends to be around age three or four. So like, that's when it starts to be like, okay, now you're in a different phase. Um, I exaggerate a little bit, but you know, it's, it's just the different phases of parenthood just tax you in very different ways. You know, that's what it boils down to. And, and you know, there isn't, there isn't really a, a, a true refilling in that same sense. I mean, it's, it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job, always. Um, but it's totally worth it. I mean, for me and, and our family, I mean, it's been tremendous. And, um, and yes, it's, sometimes it is very emotionally draining and sometimes it is very intense. But, you know... My son's getting really good at jokes, and that makes me pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you people are heroes. Parents are heroes. And the people who may not have children in the traditional sense, but who play a parenting role for the various individuals in their lives, whether it be an animal or a loved one that they're caring for, or a friend, or all the ways in which people give of themselves to others. It is so remarkable, and I am just, as I said earlier, in awe of how people do it, because I know that it's hard, and it's hard for me, even when it is the most rewarding thing you can imagine, it's still hard. And maybe that's what makes it so rewarding. That it is yeah. this draining is part of the reward. 
in a weird way. Yeah. Yes, because as you know, the journey <laughs> is the exciting part, right? Yep. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that about your family. I think it's really important for other parents to know that they are not alone. <laughs> and I know that you and your wife have done an incredible job. And I know that there are probably a lot of other people out there that are just ready for a break and not getting one anytime soon. And I'm sure it's going to be really comforting for them to hear what you said. There, it will happen. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Get a babysitter. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. First word of advice for any new parents, find a babysitter. <laughs> Just have somebody lined up. Enjoy your date nights before your child uh, arrives or is welcomed into your home. Yes. <laughs> All right, Paul. All right. A pleasure as always. Yes, Whitney. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Bye. Designing Yourself is hosted by Whitney Hess and Paul McAleer and is edited by Aaron Dowd. Our theme music is All Heroes by our Deacon Music Productions with some rights reserved via Creative Commons. You can follow Whitney on Twitter at Whitney Hess and you can follow Paul at Paul McAleer. If you like what you heard on this episode, stop by our website at designingyourself.net. You can subscribe to the show via your favorite podcasting app or via iTunes. We love to hear your feedback. So if you have an idea for a topic, a guest, or just want to say hello, you can call our listener hotline. Call 1-404-500-SELF. You can always reach us on Twitter at DesigningU, and our super secret email address is designingyourself at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>